welcome to Avatar, the last Korra. A flame me oh, my good heart, man. <laughs> um, I'm one of your hosts, Hannah, and this is my Italian co-host, David, apparently. It's a David. Davido. Um, <laughs> guys, we're re-watching Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra, if At the same not, time. That's, that's not obvious. Um, <laughs> so, this week we're on episodes, uh, five, uh, or four and five of Avatar. Yep, four and yes. five. So that's the Warriors of Kyoshi and the King of Omashu, and where are we in Korra, David? We're on episodes three and four, The Revelation and The Voice in the Night. Ooh, which one has more spooky names? <laughs> that must mean it's more adult. The spookier one. Um, <laughs> all right, so where, where do you want to start, Dave? Um, yeah, let's just jump right into, like, where, where do we find our heroes? Just having left... Previously on Avatar, they yeah. left the uh, the the Southern Air Temple and mm-hmm. went to go ride some koi fish. And uh, <laughs> we we start off by establishing the stakes, which is that you know Zuko is still coming Chasing after the them. Avatar. Like those are the only stakes at this point is that there's a villain after him. And then and then they ride giant elephant koi. They refer to them as right. I, I that... think so. Yeah, just giant fish basically. They're just big fish. The big fish. Um, and I think we're still establishing like a lot of the rules of the world at this point. Totally. And it's a lot more flexible. So you can kind of do just like, well, suddenly there's big fish. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, I guess. That's... I guess. We've, we've had penguin otters and flying bison. So why not? Like Big, big fish. Big fish. Um, but so this episode is not so much about uh, larger plot things. It's a very character-focused episode, wouldn't well, you say? It's filler. I mean, not it's, to yeah. over, not to over like simplify, but it is. We've started the filler times, the times of filler. We're introducing characters that you know, if you wanted to, you could kind of write them out of the story, <laughs> but we bring them back regardless because it's Avatar, and that's what you do. That's what so you do. So this is the introducing characters and locations for later. And, and can we talk about, let's talk about location and world building. Sure. Because, like, for the first four episodes in Avatar The Last Airbender, we are seeing completely different locales. Like, 100% different. Yeah. We're in I, North, or S- South Pole Iceberg Land, yeah. and then we're in, uh, like, the mountain On a mountain in a t- Tibetan... Temple, Tibetan mm-hmm. monk temple. Then we're on an island, and now we're in the the King of Omashu. We're we're getting into the Earth Kingdom. Right. We have like a small village, and then like a big city. So we get to see. Yeah. Okay, what are cities in this world? Do they have skyscrapers? No. Do they have you know complex irrigation and mail transportation systems? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And what do villages have? Villages have small thatched groups roofs. of warriors as their military. They have thatched roofs. You're right. They've got fishing as, like, the thing that the town is. Right. Maybe it's some vegetable fishing. stalls. Like, that's that's the town. Yeah. And towns have 
themes as well. They can have histories that are separate from, you know, like the larger nation. So like this island is kind of independent in a way, and it they're obsessed with this former avatar, uh, Kiyoshi. And in fact, who founded it's the, name the of island. Their island, yeah. Um, but all right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some good world building going on, is what you're saying. The world has been built hardcore. <laughs> I think I think after this point, there's not really any surprises in the world building that really like blow me away. At least until we get to the spirit world. Um, I mean, I, I always think it's really interesting when like like I think the whole North Pole is pretty interesting. But I mean, that's we'll true. Get there but I mean, eventually. it kind of follows. It kind of follows naturally as a progression from Omashu. Like once you have sure. a town like Omashu, you kind of understand. Okay, the big cities they're going to have some kind of bending gimmick and they're going to be <laughs> big and big and pretty and unique uh, uh-huh. but they're they're all going to basically be you know and then all the towns cities. in between are all going to sort of look the same and then yeah and then i think we start getting some more ex- exotic locations um in season 2 yeah no i mean for sure there's there's other geographic you know locations and and uh, geological features that you mm-hmm. include, like you would in any like D and D campaign. You, you sort of fill in the map as you go. Yeah. But like the the basic the basic ideas of where we exist in place and time have all been established, and there's a lot of variety that you can spice things up with. Totally, and and it's great, which I think is awesome for a kids show. Um, it's nice. There's to... not a lot of world building that I can think of in other kids shows i mean even ones that take place in another world like if you watch he-man there's no the world does not exist there's no map there's just <laughs> bad lands and good lands and well, then occasionally you just end up in like we're in the forest of Winterbuggle. i mean to all use the flowers of, talk <laughs> to use sort of a modern example of that like the new she-ra cartoon like you know there's definitely distinct locales but you don't have a sense of how they're all like related to each other um right. whereas i think in avatar you sort of because it is this very clear journey you get a sense of point a to point b-ness you know like this is the path yeah. that you have to take um which i yeah, think is you, interesting i agree um, but but let's talk about themes and uh, yeah. moral lessons. Let's mm-hmm. talk about these are you know, very morally like <sighs> episodes. Let's talk. You about seem to not like that fables. And, <laughs> or what's the word? Aesops. Yeah. Uh, TV Aesops. tropes calls these Aesops because they're just very blatant lessons that you're supposed to take away from the episode. Sure, but I think it. The show does a nice job because they're, I I don't know, they're all things that are sort of necessary for Aang to learn as he's becoming an avatar, you know? Oh, sure. I mean, they're important for them to learn, but they're just so straightforward and, like, (laughs) there's no variation or, or, like, conflict in the plot other than just, like, this person starts off the episode doing something they're not supposed to do, and then they learn a lesson because of it. And there's much less of that because, (laughs) like, later in the show. Sure. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think... Um, so for the, the Warriors of Kyoshi, the two lessons that we're supposed to learn is sexism, bad. It bad, and though. don't let popularity go to your head. 
It go to your head though. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And then King Which of Omashu. Which do you think is the A plot? The A plot? Um, God, it's really hard to tell. They Yeah, they're just both B plots. <laughs> they're both B plots, but like I guess Aang's one's out as the A plot, if only because like it's he's the main character technically. Right. But I mean I'm way more invested in Sokka's story oh, yeah. anyway. Sokka's story in uh The Warriors of Kyoshi is what like makes it worth watching. Um, right. But I mean, do you think it's a well done moral tale of about how to not be sexist? Like does it actually teach kids that lesson? Um I I think so. For me the line that I always love at the end is that like Sokka thinks he's learned the lesson where he's like I treated you as a girl, but I should have treated you as a warrior. And then Suki goes, I am a warrior, but I'm also a girl. Like, like and then, that's and then the she real kisses lesson. him on the cheek, okay, which well, is, kind of undercuts it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> because in, it means being a girl means showing affection. Being a warrior means kicking butt. <laughs> Por que no los dos? Um, exactly. I mean, that's the point. Is it's it's actually I dislike that line specifically because it ends okay. with the kiss. Well, if it didn't end with the kiss, right? Well, then it's a totally like it? different line. I mean, context is everything. Okay, I don't know. I I I would like it. I don't mind it with the kiss, and I think if the kiss wasn't there, I would also still like it. So. Well, I'm just saying the kiss makes it, it, it draws a connection because now being a girl is associated with kissing. It's a subversion of expectations where you think she's just this warrior and she's not interested in Sokka because he's a sexist, but it turns out she had a crush on him. Whoa. Uh, they were just flirting the whole episode. Okay. All right. Baka. So I didn't like you like the Baka. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, so you didn't like the message. I think that's fair. Or, well, you didn't like the way it was delivered. I didn't like that particular, like, line and that association. I think uh, there are other places that I think it works. Like, the fact that Sokka wastes no time in coming back and being like, I'm so sorry, I would be honored if you would teach me. Yeah. Um, And I think that sort of speaks to why Sokka is likable as a character. And it comes back later... Um, you know, when he's like learning to sword fight, um, yeah, and, and also in a lot of other places where, I mean, Sakura's real strength is his humility, which seems, mm-hmm. it seems odd because he's so, such a sort of braggadocious character in other ways. Yeah. But he's really very humble and he's always know, willing, willing to, to like, when he's wrong. Yep. Yep. Which, which is great. Um, and, and I also love how quickly, even though he sort of, like, makes a face about it and is like, I have to wear this dress, but, like, he still does it, you know? He's like, right. I'm I'll like, do I what mean, it just, takes. Yeah, to, to sort of engage my comparing things to Korra muscle, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Mako also has an issue with ego. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, it's not really treated like an issue. No, it's so, not. It's usually just played for laughs, and then he doesn't learn from it, right. and then he just continues to have a problem with ego. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that is pretty pretty accurate. And, like, same um, thing with, you know, Bolin not having boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really learn from his mistakes either. He just continues no to learns, push other people's boundaries. No one learns anything in Korra, except Korra learns to be the leaf. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> but we'll get there. No, I mean, I think Korra learns a lot and changes a lot, but, like, a lot of the other characters no really one else suffer. Uh, but, like, uh, that's, I think, the the best part about Avatar, is that everyone learns and grows in, in yeah. the original. I mean, Katara's pretty much where she needs to be from the beginning, but there's a few episodes where she has to learn to change. I, I don't know if she's totally there, like... I feel like most of her change comes in season three. Uh, yeah, I would say a lot of it happens there, but like. Although I guess we're gonna get to Jet in like two episodes. So I guess yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Put a pin in that one. Put a pin in like, it. Yeah. Even though I I would say she has a more subtle character arc than everyone else, but like. Well, because she just starts off from a much more empowered place. I, I uh, would say Toph is maybe the character who changes the least. Like, she learns to have friends, but other than that, like, she's just It's a good question. I don't know. We'll get to, we'll get to tough. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, She's just such a, she's just such a badass. um, uh, All right. So, yeah. So Sokka's story sort of is the, is like the birdcage. Have you seen the birdcage with Robin Williams? Um, maybe? It's. Sounds so familiar. And um, Robin Williams and um, uh, Timon from The Lion King. Yes, I have seen name. The Birdcage. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, they basically the whole thing is like the comeuppance at the end for the homophobic family is they have to dress in drag in order to avoid being seen by the media. And so they have to confront their own homophobia. Like, oh my goodness, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is I have to go out and drag. You know? Right. So, like, at the same time, Sokka is punished for his sexism by dressing up as a girl, which is the worst thing for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, like, but it's kind it. of satisfying for the audience, but also and... does it teach the right lesson? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, like, when later when he gets mistaken for a girl, he's like, ah, fuck it. Who cares? Like, I'm going to go fight anyway. Dress or no. Like. I, doesn't he say, I'm not a girl? He starts to, but then he's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like Jeff Winger's story from My Dinner with Abed. <laughs> where he goes trick-or-treating as... As a Native American girl, and then he just he just wants people to know he's pretty. Oh my god! <laughs> Sokka is actually um, is actually a drag hero. You know, Sokka's <laughs> gonna go on RuPaul oh my and just god. fucking take the crown or that whatever happens in that show. That he would. Is there a crown? I don't know. Yeah, you get a crown. <laughs> um, you become the queen. All right. Of course. So that that's Sokka's story in Warriors of Kyoshi. Then we got Aang and Katara were having a lover's quarrel, question mark. Or basically, <laughs> Aang's like a needy 12-year-old and Katara's a mature 14-year-old. And he's like, pay attention to me. I just want you to think I'm cool. And she's like, okay, but can you like get supplies? And he's like, but I'm cool, mom. Um, but then also but then he gets a love, ton of attention so from, weird. but then he gets a ton of attention from the island and the island becomes his like second girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and, and trying so he to cheats make on Katara with the island. Yeah. And like, he tries to make her jealous and like, it sort of works, 
but like mostly because he's being really irresponsible <laughs> about sure. it. Um, I mean, like the 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 solution or the ending of the story doesn't really have anything to do with the beginning, which is unfortunate. No. Because no. basically, what happens is he he fucks around a while in this town where people pamper him and treat him like royalty, um, and then he gets tracked to the island by Zuko, and Zuko burns the island to the ground. And the way he solves it is by jumping on top of a giant sea monster and spraying the town with water. Oh my god. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. I don't know dumb. how that relates to his Aesop, which is he needs to stop, uh, you know, being looking for attention and looking for recognition. He should just do it out of the selflessness of his heart. Yeah. It doesn't really have anything to do with any of that. But it is cool. It is cool. Feels Big fish. Dumb. <laughs> um... Real big fish. Real big fish. All right, so then they fly off into the sunset, having maybe learned something. In Sokka's case, yeah. probably learning something. I think we learn more about Aang than Aang learns about himself in this episode. I um, think that's a fair assessment. Like, I think it's very important to Aang's character that despite being, you know, mostly kind of humble, he's not really defined by that as yeah. much as... He's a kid. He likes kid things. He likes having fun. And he likes being adored by people. He wants right. people to like him. He likes attention. He likes being liked. He's uh, he's very into that. Yeah. Um, and we also learn a lot more about the style of how these episodes are going to go. Because this is, I feel like, the first episode that really has gags. Totally. Oh, yeah. This, this is where we get foamy mouth guy. This is gags, man. He's the gag. These gags. two episodes are fucking gag city because we go it's from gag foamy. Fest, we folks. go from foamy mouth guy in Warriors of Kyoshi to the next episode. The fucking cabbage merchant is in town. Exactly. And this is this is the whole point. Is like iconic. we're starting to establish the comedic tone. Oh yeah. And Avatar: The Last Airbender in season one is a comedy show. Oh yeah. It's it a comedy like, show with some with serious elements. moments, but like it's it's for laughs. Um, like I think Boomy's whole character is just supposed to be this weird, crazy, goofy like right. dude. Like, can you imagine if they like introduced Boomy in like book three as like that was the first <laughs> time we were seeing him? It just wouldn't make any goddamn sense. It would be um, really, really weird. But like in the in season one, it just fits because that's also a season where Ang can walk into a giant city by going, "Oh, Mister Pippin Puddle Up Sicopolis." Yeah, and bless Katara for remembering that name. Like I know hey, it's I remembered written it. You did, but like I could not, <laughs> and like I know the script is written, but like it's supposed <laughs> to be improv. No, yeah, the whole point, yeah, the whole joke is that, yes, Katara, <laughs> Katara effortlessly bounces into any role that you give her. Um, yeah. She's a born actress. She's great. <laughs> um, the, It is weird, though, that we're like, we need a disguise. Yeah. It doesn't happen ever again. <laughs> no. Until book three. Until book three. But, like, that makes sense. Um, though, to be 
fair. Yeah, it, it really doesn't make sense, the whole disguise thing. I mean, maybe, like, the idea is, like, Sokka and Katara have never been anywhere. Aang is new to this century. Um, <laughs> maybe they just assume that everyone is, like, as racist as they are. Well, or maybe they're just, like, we don't know where the Fire Nation might be, but, like, they probably are not in, like, an Earth Kingdom stronghold, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the Fire Nation takes over Omashu later, so... Later, but not yet. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um... yeah. But yeah, I mean, so but the point is, yeah, they're in disguise for some reason, disguise. and and that leads partially to plot. And it leads to plot. Um, it they are coming to Omashu because Aang used to know a dude here who did a fun thing, and we're basically on Aang's "Let's do fun things on the way to the North Pole" tour. Um, yeah. and it's not until like two episodes, three episodes from now that that's going to get really kicked into gear a little bit. Yeah, we, we haven't hit stakes yet, but yeah. um, we do have the stakes of being chased and there is the fun thing of right, sometimes they... you just get locked in prison. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and a crazy old guy makes you do three challenges that teach you how to think creatively, which you'll need in the coming fight. <laughs> Which is what do you what think the about these challenges, by the is. way? Um, the first one is, like, fine. The second <laughs> one is stupid. And, like... Flopsy! Where's it, my Flopsy? But, like... And then it turns out Flopsy was the big one. Flopsy's the big one, which, like, fine. But, like, Aang doesn't actually have to do anything, like, deductive in this challenge. He just has to turn around and go Flopsy to the big thing <laughs> that's left in the arena and then, like, Boomy just, like, calls him over and is, like... I think I think part of it is, like, the way that it's, like, boarded. Like, if you boarded it a little bit better where it's, like, every time he says Flopsy, like, the giant animal gets, like, more crazy and, like, enraged, mm-hmm. then it could be like, oh, I get it. Whenever I say Flopsy, he goes crazy. But, like, still, Aang doesn't have to tame him at all. Like, just fucking But that's not does. part of the test. The test well, is to just recognize said, that sometimes giant monsters are called Flopsy. Okay, yes, I guess. Sometimes big scary things are pets. Yep, that's... I mean, that's a, honestly a pretty important message in the Avatar universe, but... Um, I mean, it doesn't come into play ever again. But no, it doesn't. It's just the idea of think differently, Apple. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the last test is... I do like the last test where it's like, pick your opponent. Um, yeah, but like the the whole thing is like the think differently thing, Apple, brand Apple. Uh, the, the whole think differently thing... It doesn't really actually help him to succeed. Yeah. Because he thinks differently and then he picks the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty true. He gets to choose who he gets to fight and then he picks Boomy because he's an old man. But then it turns out, trick question, the old man is the muscle-bound, earth-bending master. Right. Um, I do have to say, like, Boomy's one-liners in this episode are great. I love all of them. I do have to say, Boomy's calf muscles scare the shit out of me. They're amazing. 
They're horrifying. I love them. <laughs> but yeah, he does have some good one-liners. Um, Kangaroo Island. That place is really hopping. Hoppin'. Let us leave. <laughs> I just love let us leave. It's so stupid. It's the stupidest line, but it's like my favorite. It's very dumb. Uh, like, I think I liked that stuff. I liked that line in particular a lot more when I was a kid. I thought that yeah. was the funniest shit I'd ever heard. Uh, nowadays, I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> sort of. You just sort of jaded. Sort of, sort of a pun, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's not really set up. Uh, it's not really a punchline. Yeah, it's just a pun, but I love a good pun. Um, I don't know. He also just like I love all his like weird taunts to Ang during the fight, um, and. Yeah, I don't know. Here's an interesting bit about this episode. There's no B-plot. No, there's no B-plot. Uh, we like, don't cut to Zuko. We don't cut outside of the anything. We don't, like, Katara occasionally we cut back to Katara and Sokka being encased in crystal yeah, for but stakes. Like, that's, like, kind of it. And, like, that solution is pretty weak as well. Like, yeah. oh, it turns out that the... It was rock candy. It was candy. Yeah, so basically, Boomy tests Aang. He does okay enough. Uh, like, Boomy could still kick his ass, but he's like, you've done well. And then does some cool earthbending, like, disappears his back into the ground. Um, oh, my God. When he falls down. And yeah, just, and just keeps going. Just, it's like he's making rock angels. Yeah. It's great. Um, I think Toph does that later in season two at some point. Um, Maybe. But I think it's after they get out of the desert. Um, but yeah, yeah. Boomy does this some is fun a creative earthbending. earthbending fight. Like, this is our yeah. first big earthbending fight. Totally. We, we, we really, the first time we even see what earthbending is. Is. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. It's not just throwing rocks, I'll tell you that much. Not just throwing rocks, which is apparently what Korra thinks junk. it is, but we'll get to that. Um,. Rocks. <laughs> yeah, so they have the fight. Um, I think I think Sokka wins the the award for best line uh, this episode, which is what um, does he say? <laughs> I, I I I I've got an idea. He's an Earthbender, right? <laughs> oh, what about well, Rocky? Yeah, so because of all the rocks, <laughs> the king is like that is a really good line. It's super good, and I love that there's literally a cough in universe that happens <laughs> like it's just silence and like a cough not even like a musical sting yeah. it's just they let it sit there and it's really good yeah they um, really cut back on the musical stings late in later seasons too that like boo, boo. yeah but but i don't know if that's true though necessarily i think they definitely have those. well we'll we'll see we'll I, see. I, think, I think you'll find that they're fewer and further between all right on. maybe um but, but yeah, so basically Aang figures out that this king guy is his friend Boomy, and he literally does it instantaneously. Like, there's not even a gap between the lines. It's like he's putting together... It's, yeah, it's not shown very visually interestingly. He's like, 
Well, he made me think about things differently. Honestly, Apple computers. The um, whole episode looks pretty cheap in general, as far as like anime. Except for yeah, like, they the spent fight. a lot of budget, I think, on the previous episode with a giant fish monster mm-hmm. and also the anime face in uh, in Kyoshi Island is uh, very anime a lot face. Of it. There was a lot of anime face. Yeah. There's quite a lot of anime faces. And also just a lot more characters. Yeah. Like, a lot of people moving around. tons of people walking around in this village, and then there's only, like, three people in the entire city of Omashu. Yeah. <laughs> only um, three character models. But basically, King Boomy is Aang's friend Boomy from a million years ago, and he's, 100. like, a hundred years ago. Calm down. Literally a hundred years ago. Um, so Boomy's old as fuck. Just like canonically, like is the hundred. He's like hundred ten years old. That's not yeah. like that's like biblical. Yeah, but he's still it's like, like walking age. around and earth bending, and like he continues to do some dope shit <laughs> like hey, throughout the series. Fit. He keeps um, fit. He's really healthy. It's all that lettuce. Um, Maybe he dies like right after like the series finale. You don't know. I don't... Actually, I bet I could find out if I read the comics. <laughs> I don't think he appears in the comics. Maybe he appears in one of them. They, they try maybe, to get maybe, people in there. Maybe the, the first comic... If they in, go to his funeral. You know, the search for Zuko's bomb is like, <laughs> <laughs> let's all go to Boomy's funeral. Like Boomy said before he died. <laughs> um, no. All right. Well, that's that's Avatar. That's the Warriors of Kyoshi and King of Omashu. On the chorus yeah. side of the world, we got lots of plot going on. Yeah, it's it's plot time. We spent long enough without meeting Amon. What do you think of Amon? First appearance. I don't know. He's he's fine. the guy in the mask. He the guy is... fox mask. <laughs> he's yeah. He's basically anonymous. Um, he's anonymous. But, like, it's... Here's my Amonymous. frustration. Anonymous. Oh, my God. Uh. <laughs> Kill us now. Unsubscribe. Okay. Well, now that this okay. is the We're interested in. to the two most important characters in the series. Aman and Pabu. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pabu's cute. Great. I love Pabu. Pabu's um, cuter than Momo. Stupid Momo. Okay, what is what is your least favorite part of these episodes? Because in what? general... Like the pacing? I... Is it the pacing? It's the pacing. Okay. There's no pacing. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, it's going to be pacing from here on out. Every time you ask me what's the least favorite part of the episode. <laughs> okay, my least favorite part of one of these episodes, they blurred together, so I don't really remember what happened and what. Um, okay, well, when... one's the pre-PTSD and one's post-PTSD, so that's the split. I I think it's post-PTSD. Yeah, it's that's... the post-PTSD one. Yeah. Um, when fucking Mako meets Asami and, like, literally the worst case of insta-love I've, like, ever seen in my entire life. It's, she's pretty hot. I mean, she and is rich pretty hot and nice, like, and like not elitist at all. 
I mean, as far as we know, um, God. Well, she's like totally eager to hang out with these like street rats. Yeah. Oh but wait, like, maybe Cora isn't Jasmine from Disney. Maybe it's Asami. No, Asami mm. like knows things though. Mm. She's like competent at social. Jasmine's competent. Not at. She like takes a loaf of bread, and he's like, "You gotta pay oh, yeah, for that." Oh yeah, no, that's, but like, that's a different aspect money. of her character. The whole point, yeah, the whole point is that Asami grew up here, but she's also like the spoiled rich girl that's got to be charmed by the street rat. <laughs> Scoundrel! Scandal! Like, okay. Bum, 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 bum. I'm still holding that Cora's Jasmine, because she's okay. privileged and doesn't learn anything about it, and Asami's privileged. And, like, Cora's privileged, but she doesn't realize it. Asami's privileged, and she fucking knows it, and just kind of lives her own truth. <laughs> In that yeah. privilege, but um, she does. She does want to get down and dirty with the street rat. The like, if if there is anything more like American exceptionalism and capitalism's a great thing, is her whole like family, just like her dad and. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's being pro capitalism, just that like. She has a lot of money. Well, no, it's the whole speech that her dad gives, like, Maka, where he's like, I, I, I too came out. with I, nothing. I started out as just a humble farmer. And then I got then a I... small loan of a million dollars from a generous stranger. And here we are. I mean, really, it's just like we set up, like, an issue in the previous episode where it's like, they don't have money. Uh-huh. Solved. Next episode. This yeah. is what I mean about pacing. Yeah. Like, it's... it's one thing if you solve it within the same episode, because then that's like, you did it on purpose. Like, Right. This is like an accident. This is like, oops, I accidentally made one episode into two. <laughs> right. It, it's, it's, it's just a mess. It's really not great. And, like... Just, like, they have one date, and she's like, want to meet my dad? Which, like, who on a first date is ever like, want to meet my parent? Even if they are, well, like, a billionaire? Like, I mean, the reason that she wants him to meet her dad is because she hears that he has money problems. Isn't that, like, literally right after he says that, like, I don't have any money. And she's like, hmm, you know, you know who has a lot of money? <laughs> yeah, Me. but, like... But she doesn't say it in that context at Well, she doesn't all. want to be, she's like, she doesn't like... want to be braggadocious about it, which is a word that I've used, I think, three times in this podcast. <laughs> I guess. Do, do they go right from the date to the factory, or is that, like, the next Well, day? I mean, I it cuts tell. back to Cora being PTSD'd for a while. But... Yeah. Um... <laughs> All right, well, let's back up a little bit. Let's back <laughs> up. We've been talking about we've been talking about the second episode that we watched this week of the Voice in the Night, uh, but we should be talking about the Revelation. What is the Revelation, Hannah? The Revelation is the awakening of anarcho-communism and writing yeah, oppression. The Revelation is that Amon is a villain who can take people's bending away permanently. That's that's the Revelation. Alright, yeah, that's the Revelation. Um, In terms of plot, like, that is pretty scary. These are stakes that we haven't seen before. Like, the idea that the Avatar could lose the ability to bend is somewhat more plausible than the Avatar dying and not being reincarnated or, you know, just dying in the middle of a season. 
Yeah. Like, these are interesting stakes that they've introduced. That's true. But... And, and I remember when I first watched it, I was like, oh, shit, that seems, <laughs> seems fake, but okay, I'm intrigued, was sort of my response. Sure, um, yeah. And and also I I liked the you know the bringing back of the chi blockers which was Ty Lee's ability in the original show and that was yeah. something only she had in the entire show but now we're seeing like what if the villains are like that's their superpower basically is that they're mm-hmm. all chi blockers and and it makes sense for people who are against like bending in general that they would be able yeah. to like do this um though like one thing i noticed when tai lee did like chi blocking it would like totally disable a person's like whole body basically or like body part sometimes i thought it was multiple ways multiple times okay all right I, I thought so. Like it, sometimes she'll hit like a few chi points, and then the person will just be literally like, like just a pile. Like right, suddenly like, you're a pile of bones on the ground. But like if she hits your arms and like to like, it doesn't just disable your bending, can it? Did it? In in some se- in some places it it will disable a body part, but then the other body parts won't be able to bend either. Okay. That was, like, her first uh, introduction with, like, Katara. But, right. you know, we'll get there in the other show. Yeah, yeah, um, the, the point being, like, yeah, I don't think it's too different from what Ty Lee does. It's a little different because the animation's different and the fight choreography is very different. Yeah. This was something I noticed is, like, the fight choreography is much more complex and possibly more realistic. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But the... But it's way harder to follow than in Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, I, I don't have that much of a time following along with it. Um, like, sometimes like, I think Like, in the gets... dream sequence where we're, like, watching uh, Korra, like, but that's you a know, dream. having, like, a nightmare. What? Like, like dreams are hard to follow. Like, I don't think it's, like, a... I mean, it could be because of that, but I've noticed in other fight scenes as well um, that it's just, like, a little bit more... Like, because they just have such a higher budget and they can make these really smooth animations where, you know, characters are ducking in and out and there's other people fighting them. Like, Mm -hmm. choreography is very difficult to follow. Okay. Um, But hey, you know, uh, maybe maybe you prefer that. Just, you know, sort of let the action wash over you like a wave. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I, I really like it. It's really fluid. It's engaging. Um, it's pretty well animated. I, I have a good pretty. time with the fight scenes, except for fucking earthbenders who seem to just like forget that everyone's walking on earth and just decide to throw rocks around in the air. Um, and I will never stop talking about that because what the fuck? What is that? The police? Wait, who are there? No, like Bolin, and like I think there was someone else, maybe, but definitely Bolin. Does he even fight in these episodes? Yeah, he does some fighting. Um, after he and Mako like escape, um, before like Korra shows up, um, hmm. they they're like fighting the electro shocky guy or whatever. But like oh, yeah, instead of mustache guy, instead of Bolin like putting himself in a protective shell or like I don't know holding the guy's feet to the ground with earth because you can do that he just like makes earth come up and like punches it at him like he's in the fucking pro bending ring and like i get it 
he's not a fighter, he's a pro bender, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's, I just don't, it's stupid. It's not. Did you know that, um, did you know that mustache guy, uh, doesn't have a name? Really? He doesn't get a name? Lieutenant. Because he's a lieutenant. He's just the mustache electric dildo guy. That's so lazy. I mean, lazy or like sparking a mystery, like oh like sparking, my sparking god, blue man, you know? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> like maybe you, maybe like this is where the fans come in. Like, what's the uh, backstory yeah. of the lieutenant? You know, where do you get his electric man. dildos? Oh my god! Um, yeah, I I doubt it somehow. So the episode starts the revelation with. Money problems. They gotta, they gotta fork over the dough so they can get into the the final tournament for the for the pro bending. Yeah, but um, ain't nobody got no money, and apparently Cora doesn't have a secret bank account or anything. This episode is a lot about Cora being like, "I'm rich," and or like, "I don't have to worry about money," and like Mako and Bolin being like, "Huh." That's Must nice. Must be nice. <laughs> Our parents uh, are dead. I, I I mean, like, yeah, it's about backstory is what it is. Like, we're getting right to the backstory because this season is short. Uh, it's yeah. much shorter than season one of Avatar The Last Airbender. There's no time for filler, folks. We gotta get to it. And that's yeah. that's what pacing is. So we've just met Mako, basically. He hasn't done anything to establish his character yet whatsoever other than be like... I'm not ready to to give you my respect, Cora, because you gotta earn it. Because I'm the tough guy at school. I um, mean, we sort of get like Sokka and Katara's backstory, like right at the beginning, too. Their mom died. That's not a backstory. And their dad's this is fighting. Like, we grew up on the streets, All and right. we grew up on the streets. And I I was in a gang. Oh my god, you were in a gang? Listen, we did what we had to do to survive. <laughs> and all I have to remember my parents by is this scarf. Like, we don't learn about Katara's necklace until, like, ten episodes in. Also, like, all Korra says in these episodes is like, wow, I'm sorry, that sounds hard. Like, she doesn't have any <laughs> solutions to offer or, like, any, well, like... Well, she doesn't have any because, like, literally her whole life is just living inside a cage. Being provided for. <laughs> Being provided. Well, yeah. So is Jasmine, but she, you know, she loves to be free. Uh, okay, I'm back Cora. to it. Cora's Jasmine. Cora's Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. It's decided. Asami is like fake Jasmine. Yeah. Asami's Jafar in disguise. <laughs> From Aladdin Two. You okay. remember Aladdin Two? I vaguely. Is that the one Jafar where his dad? Jafar is in disguise as a, as <laughs> something. All right. Anyway, back in Korra. <laughs> um, then we get the backstory. We find out Bolin does a job for the triple threat triads to try to get some money. But then money they all get taken. To, to prove to Mako that I can earn money too. You don't have to be the only provider, Mako. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like, like Bolin is innocent, but like to an extent that doesn't even really make sense. No, it doesn't make like, any he- sense. He should be a little bit, like, more hardened to the world. I mean, he grew up exactly where Mako did. It's not like Mako was really shielding him from the dark truths of the world. Right. It's it's very strange. 
their dynamic. Their whole dynamic is very strange. Um, but like, so this is this is a mystery episode, right, Hannah? Is it? Like, it's about the search for Bolin. So, I like, guess. they stake out the spot where they had that one equalist rally. Oh yeah. In the hopes that they'll come back, and then they go, and then they look at the posters, and Mako goes. Wait a it's minute. a map. The back of this poster is a map. And you only know where it is when you put all the pieces of the map together. Now, I I don't know if you know how puzzles work. <laughs> but usually the entire answer to the question isn't all on one piece of the puzzle. No, no. Also, it's, it's like, it's pretty dumb. It's very dumb. So, like, they're handing out these posters and literally, like, anybody with half a brain can figure out that on the back, back is a map. But you have to get the one with the dot on it in order for the map to actually tell you where it is. Right. And if you have the one with the dot on it, why do you need the other ones? <laughs> it's, like, it's really, really stupid. Um, <laughs> it's It's so dumb. And then they show up and they're like, we have a poster that we found on the ground. Does that mean we can go in? It's like, yeah, you could go in. Like, they don't even check for them for, like, whether they're a cop in disguise or, like, wearing a wire or something. Right, right. So they, They're just they, like, what, you got a poster? You're cool <laughs> by me. <laughs> they infiltrate the uh, the secret rock show. I mean, the uh, separatist rally. And uh, right. they're, they're um, there. Yeah, so they... Aman is like shows himself to be honorable because he like brings out all these criminals and he's like these criminals use bending to oppress you. I will give them one chance to fight me and if they win they can keep them bending. Right. And I don't but... know why no one just tries running. I know. <laughs> they're um, all like well, they're technically, all like, I can take them. <laughs> technically Bolin does. Um Well Bolin just tries like reasoning with him, which is like really stupid. Yeah. But he's Especially he's when he could much... probably just, like, bring up a rock wall between them and then run like hell. Right, or, like, around himself. This is what I'm saying. Like, dude, just, like, keep doing rock walls and running and, like, build yourself. Yeah, I don't even know if it's physically possible like, for Amon to get through a rock wall. Yeah. Like and all it... of his friends are non-benders, too. Right. And it's the, like... like, they could literally just, they would literally just have to be, like... <sighs> All right, guys, get this. Get the hammers. Yeah, it's just like hitting this rock wall with a hammer. That's what I'm saying. I'm safe as long as I keep, as long as they run out of hammers eventually. It's really dumb. It's really, really dumb. And like Cora can earthbend, and she also doesn't do any of this shit. But she can't do anything. She can't bend. Oh, I guess she gets it back by the end. Yeah. And How like long she is it has it at the last when you get chi blocked. I don't know. I don't know, but but she has it by the time they're at the equalist rally, doesn't she? Yeah. We we should probably talk about the the most the most interesting thing about this episode is um, Cora falls asleep on Mako, Ugh. and then they wake up and they're like they're blushing. Ooh. Ugh. Yeah. Ooh. Can the shipping stop? It's so bad. And the I fucking insta love like in the, the next episode. I it's the kind of thing that they would do in, in Avatar The Last Airbender as well. Like, like <laughs> yeah. 
But it like, it like the episode that we watched had them like blushing and going like, "I don't like you, Baka." Um, <laughs> yes. But like, this one. It just ugh, feels be worse, worse because they're like seventeen, you know. Like it's one thing. I, I to don't do know that. if the age makes that much of a difference. I think I just it does. Think, Cause it's, I just think it's bad because it's like this is so cliche. It's, it's just yeah. It's just literally they fall asleep on each other because they're they're on a stakeout. Oh, it's like their hands touch when they both reach for the gun. Oh my god. Um, it's so stupid. It's it's yeah. super cliche, but I I think it it's like. You and know, when 12-year-olds like, are blushing about that shit, it's like, yeah, that's what you do at 12. You, like, blush right, about I shit. Guess. But when you're, like, a teenager, like, late teenager slash adult, it's like, come on. You're you're more mature than this, probably, hopefully. I don't know. I don't know if it's that immature to be like, ew, I fell asleep on someone who I just met. <laughs> But it's not about ew. It's like it's that like flirty ew, you know. I feel like Mako genuinely doesn't like Korra at all at this point. Oh, I mean that's fair. He does fall in love with Asami literally the next episode. Uh-huh. Like I don't think he's like I don't think he's like conflicted at all about that. He's just like, yeah, Korra's like this weird, creepy girl who my brother has a crush on. So I'm gonna let them, and she's uh, you the know, Avatar let them go at it, and I'm gonna fine. go. I'm gonna go get a Sami. Yeah. Because we had a meat cute when she hit me with her bicycle. It's <laughs> a total meat cute moment. It's such a meat cute, and I hate every second of it. Um, <laughs> one moment Cord that I did like. Cute. No one. One moment that I did like in this episode was. Yeah. When Mako comes to the Avatar Island and is like, "Hey, is Bolin here?" And Cora's like, "Oh, nah." Um. And Iki or whoever starts, like, teasing her um, about Mako being, like, cute and she does she have a crush on him or whatever. And so she just, like, straight up, like, earthbend blasts her away. <laughs> Which yeah, I guess so. was great. Because you know it's fine. She's an airbender. She'll land. Like... She, she always lands on her feet. Yeah. twinkle toes. Yeah. Um, I just... It was, it was a good moment that got a chuckle out of me. And I wanted to call it out. Yeah. There's so much to talk about with the the second episode. Because now that, like, Korra has seen Amon, mm-hmm. she is just massively PTSD. And it's She's weird super for a character to be traumatized this early in the show. I don't and think this... I've ever seen that happen. Yeah. It's, it is weird. Um, like, I'm not it... saying, like, she wouldn't be traumatized. Like, it's not reasonable for her to be traumatized no, it by totally the events is. that she's seen. But it's, like, way too early. Like, holy shit. We're already right. dealing with, like, the deep psychological trauma of the hero game when we <laughs> don't even know what our characters are like normally. Right, like, we barely know our hero in, like, more than one context. Like, okay. Um, she likes sports and <laughs> fighting, and she wants to be the good avatar. But That's what I know about Korra. Bad at also, she's got a crush on on people with good haircuts. <laughs> it is it a good haircut? It's a great haircut. I'm not into it. Um, it's the best haircut. In <laughs> all the shows, the best haircut. Um, no, just all this right. show. Just this one? Yeah, most people are bald in this show. Okay. 
I don't or do they know. have three ponytails like okay, Harlock. I, I will transition. Say, I really like <laughs> I Harlock transition. I really like <laughs> I sort of on that note, I like Tenzin in these episodes for the most part. He does a really yeah. good job of being a good dad and like offering support when it's needed and, and guidance yeah. and he's not like weirdly stodgy about shit or yeah, like, like it's okay for you to talk about it Cora yeah tell the old man your feelings <laughs> but he does it gently and nicely and like is understanding and I don't know yeah. Um, and, like, the fact that, like, he's like, listen, I'm glad that you turned Tarlock down to join the task force uh, that he's invited you on. However, it doesn't seem like you, so just check it in <laughs> to make sure you're okay. <laughs> I want to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Which, like, that's Tarlock great. Tarlock is boring, and the council is so boring, and yeah. everything is boring, it's... and I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's not that boring. It's just like... I invited you to a party where I'm going to shame you into joining my task force of well, cops. I mean, I think he does do... It's like sort of shaming, but it's also playing off of stuff that I think is kind of common knowledge about Cora, which is that if you go, you chicken McFly, she'll go, <laughs> screw you, and fight them. Nobody, but nobody... Calls me chicken. chicken. Yeah. Yeah. She's very susceptible to uh, goading, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's Which... true. But I just find it really boring that, you know, he's delivering gifts and, you know, he just wants political power, which he gains by creating a task force of cops <laughs> to arrest a criminal. Right. Well... <laughs> Don't know how that works, but okay. But okay. Um, <laughs> the... The thing that about the party scene that kills me is it feels like a fucking, like, RPG from a video game or something where it's like, <laughs> I go to the party and I have to have one conversation with every character, you know? And, like, you just say, like, two lines to them and then you go to the next character and you say two lines to them and they're all in a circle and then you go to the next scene. Like, that's exactly what that party scene felt like. It was really bad. I don't know. Did it just end in like a press conference? Yeah, it ended in a fucking press conference. It literally felt like a video game. Like, let me talk to all the characters in this room. And then the cutscene is the press conference. And maybe I have to make a decision. And then the plot moves me forward in the direction it was going anyway. You know? Like, yeah. it's like nothing's surprising. Nothing's entertaining. I, I will say I'm with Korra 100% of the way when she's like, who the fuck are you to Asami? Because, like, who the fuck is she? Like, she met Mako <laughs> earlier that day? Question mark. Yeah. And now they're like... <laughs> and then invited him to a fancy party. Right. And then later in a carriage, she's like, I feel so safe with you. Like, I've never felt with anyone else before. And it's like, bitch, you've known him, like, two days. Slow I don't know what down. feeling safe with someone even means. Because, I, I mean, she lives in, like, a giant house... I mean, right. she's never wanted for anything. Like, exactly. when, when has safety and security been an issue for her? Right, and maybe it's emotional security, but, like, we know nothing about anything else. Like, it's just, like, such... Well, like, we never learn of... that she's emotionally insecure, because she's exactly. not. Exactly, she's not. Like, that's the thing. It's referring to literally nothing. 
Her mom got killed by a mugger. So she totally understands what it's like to grow up homeless on the streets. She's uh, Batman. I I get you too, Jet. My mom died as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, uh, I think the worst part of this episode is just the resolution. Like, yeah. it just resolves with like, I challenge you, Amon, to a face-off. Mm-hmm. And then Amon shows up and is like, I could kill you right now, but I don't feel like it. <laughs> it wouldn't look good in the newspapers. It's really stupid. Uh, like, I don't know. It's it's stupid, but not stupid. Like, I kind of get it when he's like, like doing it now would make you a martyr. And I'm like, yeah, all right, okay, that's fair. But that's not going to come back to bite you in the ass. <laughs> You stupid moron. Just get rid of her and then get rid of everybody. There's literally no one more powerful than the Avatar in the whole city. <laughs> or maybe the world. Um, maybe. So, yeah. I, I don't know. You probably should have just gotten rid of her. I guess because she was in his clutches, it was really stupid that he didn't just take care of her. Um, but I could have seen just not going after her. And like that Yeah, if he would just fine. if he had just said this isn't worth my time right now, I've got bigger fish to fry, that would have been like a serious like come to reality moment, like, hey, maybe I'm not as big a deal as I thought. You know, maybe right. he's not a coward, maybe I'm just not a, as important as I think I am. <laughs> right. Which would be an important thing for Cora to learn, but nope, that's not what happens. That's not the arc. The um, arc is I need to admit that I'm scared. Yeah, and then the problem more or less goes away <laughs> for the rest of the season. Yep. That's the problem with introducing PTSD in your second episode. Well, this is like the fourth episode, but still. Well, the second episode... Well, I mean, the, the PTSD happens in the second episode that the villain is in. Okay, sure, yeah. But it's still very early. Like, <laughs> the whole point being... Yeah. Our first real appearance of the villain where he actually says stuff and our hero's already traumatized and immediately gets over it mm-hmm. within an episode. Mm-hmm. And we never really deal with it again. Um, we yep. get our first flashback. We do. It's the but first it's, one. it's really small. Yeah, I, I fucking hate how this show does flashbacks. Yeah. It's so bad. I like, forget. Like, it's just exposition through flashback, and it happens again in a in a later season that we'll yeah. get to. But, like, it's, like, it's just pure exposition. It, it, it literally just tells you plot points. It does nothing to explicate, like, who the characters are or, like, to teach some kind of spiritual, you know, s- you know similarity. Like, right, we're gonna get or to moral it in, lesson. Yeah, we're going to get to it in Last Airbender, but, like, we're going to see a flashback of the entire life of Avatar Roku for an episode. Mm-hmm. And it teaches Aang so much, but it's not directly, like, plot points being revealed on, a, like, a on like a graph. Right. Like, there are some... There is a plot point that is actually revealed in that 
uh, episode, which is pretty important, I would yeah, maybe say. Yeah, there's plenty of important stuff that's revealed in the Roku flashback when we get there. But, like, the point being, like, this flashback that we're getting just, like, teases of right now, mm-hmm. they're going to tease it for the whole season. <laughs> and then and it's, then it's just going to reveal the entire plot. Yeah. Well, in and flashback. I, I think the whole point of teasing it is that it's, it's like, it's sequel bait, you know? It's see the characters all grown up, like, see them... It's Rugrats all grown up. Um, all grown like, up with you. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, but but it's just, it's nothing. It's it's just, don't you want to see Aang and Katara and Toph and Shaka and everyone right. as adults? It's great. It's not great is the answer. But I just, I feel like, listen, take the parts of these two episodes that work and compress them together. What if instead of Bolin getting kidnapped, we just have, you know, something else gets Korra involved with, with, you know, trying to figure out who these equalists are. And so she goes and tries to investigate with, you know, with Bolin. And in the meantime, you know, maybe Mako goes and talks to Asami and we find out more about Mako's backstory through him talking to Asami rather than talking to Korra. And maybe Korra right. for a longer time doesn't know Mako's like backstory. And that's right. You know, part of why they don't fall in love right away. And maybe like I I it's just I just feel like not that much happens over the course of two episodes. It's a lot of like But also a lot. Pipe, it's a lot of laying pipe. But it's not a lot of actual stuff happening. I guess. I, I don't just, know. I feel like you know the 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 stuff that's happening, the stuff that makes up most of the runtime in you know a whisper in the night is just Cora having PTSD, which doesn't work. So just cut all of that because it's not going to play into her character later on, and just have it be we introduce Amon and then. We move on to whatever the next thing is rather than like doting on, you know, what are the repercussions of this momentous moment where she sees a guy lose his bending. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. I I just think it's a pacing issue more than anything. Like the plot points are all more or less strong. It's just the pacing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's bad. And like all the Tarlock stuff that gets set up and it's just like, this is so dull. Just, <laughs> just skip it. Skip it all. Skip it. Like, wh- wh- what purpose? Because I think after this, isn't Tarlock basically just a villain for the rest of it? Like, I don't think Korra ever trusts him again. Yeah, I don't think so. After this episode. Yeah. So, like, it's just a waste. Like, build up Tarlock slowly. Don't use him all up in this episode. Right. And, like, honestly... You know, maybe he just... He just asks Cora to make a statement for him, like, in support of his cause, and she says no. Mm-hmm. And then she's, he's like, grumble, grumble, I'll get you next time. <laughs> just introduce right. him and then let him go. Pace yeah. it. Pacing is important. Totally. Um, there's, there's no room for these characters to grow before they change. Or, or, like, show themselves who they are, not grow, sorry. 
Yeah, they, they um, need to establish themselves. Yeah, and like, that's the word. Asami needs to establish herself before being a romantic interest for Mako. Which she doesn't at all. She is literally just romantic interest. Like, you know, we get, we get Suki Jesus. introduced in Warriors of Kyoshi. But, like, the whole point of that... And, like, yeah, she fucking kisses him at the end. But, like, you know, as far as Saka knows, he's never gonna see this girl again. <laughs> it's just like... Hey, when Saka meets her, he thinks she's a dude. So, <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. Um, but, but, like, yeah, she... Like, she established herself as a character first, and that there's a dynamic between these two characters, and then, like, later a romance happens, but the it's later not immediate. Romance. And, like, even Aang and Katara, like, Aang having a big crush on her is kind of not a secret, but, like, it's also, mm. like, something that gets built over time. It's not just, like, yes, and now we should make out and be really jealous. Right. You know, like yeah. even so. In basically, fucking... I was really positive about Korra in the first two episodes. Um, I think they're decent setup, and and I, I mean, even though the pacing in the pilot is kind of weak, the pacing in A Leaf in the Wind was really solid. Like it was a very self-contained story that introduced a lot of elements, but didn't feel overly bogged down by laying pipe. I don't know. I, I don't like that episode being there. It just, it's, it's just so fillery. It's, I mean, I... it's the opposite of filler. It, it establishes two integral, important characters and uh, an, an arc for the story, which is Korra participating in this bro pending thing. All right, maybe it's just boring and I don't really it care. It also pushes forward her story about learning airbending. I mean, it, it accomplishes a lot. I think the pacing in episode two is sort of ideal. And then, like, maybe the placement isn't right. You, yeah. You can be right there. But I, don't think, I think the pacing in it, is, in it is ideal. And then the pacing in, like, the revelation is just, like, like a bunch of waiting around for everyone to realize that Bo Lin's been kidnapped. And then a boring mystery leading up to what the whole point of the episode was, which they should have just started with, right. which is this revelation thing. Right. Like, you could just start the episode with, there's there's going to be this event, and Amon's going to reveal himself, it's a secret event, and then Tarlock's like, we're sending some spies to go check it out, do you want to come? And Korra's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm <laughs> Tarlock, come, come, come with me, and I'll show you what these equalists are really about. Uh-huh. And then they go, they watch the revelation, and then they are horrified, and they try to arrest him, but he escapes. And then Cora is upset about it, and that's the whole episode. Yeah, that's a better episode. In instead, it's like the revelation comes right at the end of this one episode, and then the next episode is just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, Aang probably reasonably could have PTSD from like seeing his dead everything, his dead yeah. family. Um, but... Like, they save that for later, when he right. does have sort of nightmares and daydreams, and but, um, he also has a traumatic memory of losing certain fights and winning other fights and mm -hmm. stuff, and we deal with the impact, the psychological impact of stuff, but it comes later. Later, later we season. know this character. A little later in the season, folks. Yeah. 
All right. Yep. But maybe it'll maybe the pacing will get better. <laughs> um, one can only hope. I can. You've seen this more times than I have, and I know the pacing <laughs> doesn't get better. But maybe maybe the pacing is good if you watch two episodes at a time over oh, the course of a year. There you go. That'll that'll make it work. That's the right, idea. See y'all next week. Pacing. We're gonna be watching more Legend of Korra. We're gonna be watching more Avatar: The Last Airbender. If you want to talk to us about anything we've said or anything we're going to say, if you can see the future, um, you can tweet at us at Talking Tropes. You can, you also, can also fund us on Patreon at Talking Tropes, or see us see us on SoundCloud at Talking Tropes, or go to Facebook Talking Tropes, or do, do whatever you want to do, Talking Tropes. Uh, yeah, do that. Bye. Hey. Bye. <laughs>